Good morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's sing this old favorite Christmas time together.
Sicknesses. Um, Brother uh, Storm and his family are out of town today, but um, Sister Brenda Burbage and her whole family, the whole family got wiped out. Sister Brenda's got a sinus infection. Mackenzie has strep throat. Madison has a sore throat. Colton's not feeling his best. They're all in a bubble, if you will, right now uh, of quarantining. Uh, continue to pray for Brother Chambers, uh, who's still. Battling uh, with his sickness as well. As you can see, there are pockets of people all over the building that are not present with us today uh, for various reasons. Um, Brother Tyler and Sister Carmen are not with us, not because they are sick, but because they have a baby that they're home with. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Little baby Rowan was born uh, this past week uh, and uh, is uh, now home. Water broke in uh, on Wednesday afternoon, and then on Thursday uh, we uh, welcomed a baby. And uh, on uh, they had to do a couple tests, make sure some of the levels with the baby were okay. Uh, just making sure some of the you know bilirubin levels and other levels and other things, white blood cell counts were a little elevated. But the help of the Lord, they all came back down to normal range. Everything settled, and so yesterday, uh, around 5:30 or so, um, uh, Carmen and Tyler were able to come home and uh, be at home. And so they are—they uh, sent their love, but they are um, there uh, with the new baby. And so they're—they're uh, they're learning uh, the joys of sleepless nights already. And uh, and I hope 
if Tyler's watching, you better go get some coffee or you better get something uh, salty for Carmen because she's going to be sleepy and she's not going to be happy if you don't. So, um, But they are having a little baby, so that's where they are today. So we want to pray for them as well. In a more positive note, just pray for them that the good Lord would be with them uh, as they are now new parents um, of a beautiful baby boy. Uh, just a couple of housekeeping items I want to bring to your attention today uh, to, to let you know about. Um, we had to make some slight adjustments uh, with uh, our uh, uh, with our kids' uh, Christmas party due to a lot of schedules and different things that uh, have been uh, taking place. So on Sunday, next Sunday, uh, the 18th, your kids will have their Christmas party during church, during children's church time period. We had too much trying to schedule who's going to be where and who's got what practice and who's going to be out of town and who's traveling around the world. And so we, uh, we wanted to make sure that we got all the kids we possibly could. So that'll be next Sunday. Uh, also next Sunday uh, is uh, the kids will have a small portion of the service where they're going to display their gifts and talents for you. I don't know what gifts and talents they're going to bring, but they're going to bring you something with gifts and talents. So um, be ready for that as well. Uh, also, uh, don't forget Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services to continue to remind people about that. Uh, that's coming up right around the corner. I think we're, you know, just about two weeks or so out. I think when I calculated, uh, I have a little snowman in my house that calculates the days and the calendars. And so we're getting less than less than two weeks. And so I'm getting excited. I'm not getting anything for Christmas because I didn't want anything. But I'm excited anyway about Christmas. So it's going to be a good time. So just make sure you're mindful of that. Any other questions, you can go to our website, find out all the information about that as well. This time I'm going to ask those leading in Scripture and prayer to come and lead in Scripture and prayer. Immediately following that, uh, Sister Lila will be coming to bring us our selection this morning. Brother Randy, amen. Good morning. You know, something happened this week. <clears throat> Pardon me, I've got a little bit of whatever going around. But it warms your heart when your son calls and says, Dad, I need prayer. He's got an opportunity for a new job. Uh, it's in, still in the same organization, but uh, it would make a significant difference in his lifestyle and his family. And it also make him eligible to transfer anywhere in the world. So uh, he asked, he said, can you get some people to pray? I said, I think I can do that. So pray for my son along with all these other ones when, we're, when we do go to prayer because uh, – he asked, and they say, if you raise a child the way it should go, they'll never depart from it. So when he calls me up and wants prayer, we give him prayer. So Today, Psalm 138, I will praise thee with my whole heart. The Lord's been good to me. He's been good to you. Uh, I know I'm fighting all this junk, but you know what? I feel great. I'm here. Uh, I'm able to perform. Taught my Sunday school class this morning. Loved it. Love talking about Mary and her acceptance of God's plan and Joseph and his acceptance of God's plan. Um, sometimes I don't think we talk about it enough, those people that want to be accepting of what God wants them to do instead of going like, well, pick somebody else, God, not me. Uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to go like, I, I can't do that. If you couldn't do it, God wouldn't ask you to do it. And that's just a fact. You can do it. So. David says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And the day when I cried, thou answered me and strengthened me with strength in my soul. 
All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet he hath, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercies, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hand. Amen. The Lord is good to me. He's been good to me and my family. He continues to be good to me, and I will praise him for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name, Lord, for this opportunity to come before you. Lord, as we call on your name this morning, there are so many that are sick. Lord, there are so many that could be here but can't because of sickness. I pray that you will reach into those homes to touch each and every one of them, lift them up, and strengthen them. Lord, I ask that you will continue to abide with them, provide for them that which they need for comfort, for strength. Lord, I pray that you will be with them when those that are traveling, provide your angels round about them and provide traveling mercies. Lord, for those that have special needs, I pray that you will be with them and continue to lift them up. Be with our shepherd this morning, Lord, as he brings the word. Help him to say the words you would have us to hear, that we can take these words and use them this week for thy glory. For we ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. a city of light, oh, where there cometh no night, for the sun, it never sits in the sky. In the Bible, we are told, oh, that those streets, they're pure as gold. And a cool, gentle river runs by. Oh, yes, I am bound for that holy white city. Oh, yes, I am. I'll never turn back to this world anymore. city on that evergreen shore. Oh, 
that heaven is going to be surely worth it all. One day we're going to go there one day. When we go there, we're going to be able to stand before Jesus Christ and truly be able to be amazed at all that we see and all that we hear of the angelic choirs and music and saints of old. And we're going to be truly amazed. And so one day we're going to stand before him in his presence. So let's stand all over the house this morning. We're going to sing just about that. This song simply says, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus. One day we will certainly stand in before him.
chapter 2, once you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word, and then I'll kind of unpack today what I've been impressed of the Lord to speak to you today. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went out to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, 
wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. This morning, I'm going to talk to you here in just for a moment. In just a moment, I'll share the title of this message. But I want you today, as a, before I have Brother Randy pray over the message today, I, I want you to think in the scope today of what it would be like to be in that room that first Christmas morning. What would it have been like to sit there that night, that early morning hour, when God's gift for humanity, the Son of God, was born? What would it have been like to have been in that moment? We're going to talk about that for a moment. Brother Randy, would you pray for us today? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We've been in a series, as you well know, called the Adventful Christmas. And so today I want to talk to you just for a moment on the second, and we're, I'll give you the title here in just a moment, but you see the second purple candle is, is lit today. Because as we continue our series of an Adventful Christmas, we are studying today the second theme of the Advent season. As I said before, Advent is represented normally by the colors of purple. More traditionally, now it's become more of a, a ritual for people to use blue candles. But purple, a rose, or a pink colored, and a white candle. Though some use four candles, there are times five, like in our arrangement here. The fifth one representing, obviously, the unity and the life completion of Jesus Christ being the center of it all. We've already talked about the first theme of Advent last week, talking about the hope of glory and some kind of on the second theme, it kind of gets, you know, every Advent has a little bit different. Some, some put peace in the second theme. Some put faith in the second theme. But today, we, we're going to look at more of the, the, if you will, Protestant version of the Advent season through the, the scope or the lens of love. And love and faith kind of go hand in hand. And we're going to kind of put those two together. And we're going to save peace for week four, which is the more traditional in the Protestant, but but however way you celebrate it, your four themes are going to always center on the hope of glory, the love of glory, the faith that you have, the peace of God, and the joy of the Lord. You're going to center on those thematic elements of the Advent season. You know, some traditions celebrate it differently, but today, the second, no matter which tradition you follow, the second candle in the Advent wreath is always called or known as Bethlehem's candle. It commemorates the journey of Mary and Joseph that they made on that first Christmas season and the faith that they had to trust God. You know, see, the first Christmas season that we celebrate in terms of the scope of Christianity, there were lots of questions about faith. There were lots of questions in general in that first Christmas story. There were even times of stress in this Christmas story. We'll talk about some of those. However, love and faith has been seen interwoven throughout this story. You see, Mary and Joseph's journey was certainly not one of smooth proportions. What started out as two young lovers planning a wedding turned into an unexpected pregnancy, potential loss of family, 
potential impending death if Joseph were to expose Mary for adultery, the stresses of packing up a, a pregnant, uh, 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 if you will, fiancé and future wife to tr- journey under Roman rule. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of uncertainty in this story. Mary finds the news out by Gabriel and at first is stunned to hear she's pregnant, but yet surrenders to the will of the Lord by stating the most iconic phrase that has ever been spoken in Scripture. You could probably quote it, be it unto me according to your word. Can I tell you this morning that that still needs to be the heartbeat of the church. Though we may not be pregnant physically with the incarnate Christ, every day God impregnates us with his will and his destiny and his design for our lives. And no matter what God may say or no matter where God may lead, our heart's cry should always be unto the Lord. Lord, be it unto me according to your word. If you want me to be blessed, be it unto me. Lord, if I have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, be it unto me because I know you're with me whatever you have for me lord let it be unto me according to your word joseph has some questions he loved mary he even loved her enough that he wanted to protect her by putting her away quietly and breaking off the engagement silently not to expose her he wasn't sure he could become a bonus dad he he wasn't sure he could raise another man's child he had his own dreams and his own aspirations, but it took a dream from an angel to come by Joseph's way in a visitation by the angel before he could accept God's will. You say, Pastor, there's a lot of things I have in my life I don't understand. Well, if God has to send an angel, he will. He'll send somebody your way. And now the Bible tells us that sometimes we entertain angels unaware. Whether we, whether they are a real angel or whether God sends somebody that we know personally that's just like an angel to us, God will always send somebody our way when we need it to remind us He's still in control. And so we talk about this season, Joseph. Mary hides for three months with her cousin Elizabeth while Joseph plans the next season of their life. We talk about an eventful Christmas so far. I just haven't, I ain't even got to Bethlehem yet. We're just talking about what's happened so far. That's enough stress on the plate to make you not want to do Christmas this year. Fast forward a few months and the Romans decide to do a census. This means everyone has to travel back to their place of origin or birth to be counted and registered. It is in the scope of the text we read today that this is taking place. Joseph is now taking his extremely pregnant wife, saddles up a donkey, and makes a 90-mile trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, you think 90 miles. That'd be like the equivalent of you leaving here and driving to Columbia, South Carolina, but not with a car, with a donkey. Nobody's going to sign up for that job. And more likely than not, due to the their due to the nature of the financial means of Mary and Joseph, we know through when they circumcise Jesus and they bring the pigeons or the turtle doves, we, we know that was a sign of, most of the time that was a, the, the offering, if you will, of people that were not of extreme means. That was a more uh, commoner, if you will, gift unto the Lord. So Joseph probably didn't have an air-conditioned RV with satellite TV attached to it for Mary to kick back in a futon and just sit there 
and drink her eggnog and drink her, you know, apple spiced apple ciders and her Starbucks cream brulees and just sit back there eating her biscotti cookies and just living the dream while Joseph is driving his fifth wheel while the gift football game is playing on their way to Bethlehem. There wouldn't have been air conditioning. There wouldn't have been a heater. There wasn't heated seats. The heated seats was the donkey. That's not much of a heated seat. That's an uncomfortable ride. I don't know how many of you have ever rode a horse, but after you ride for so long, it begins to become uncomfortable. It's not fun anymore. After that season, they, track, they have to track 90 miles. I did some little mathematical computations. If they would have traveled 2.5 miles per hour and done that consistently for over Eight hours a day, it would have taken them at least four days to get there at minimum. Most scholars believe that it probably took Mary and Joseph a full week to get there because she could not have traveled that hard and that fast the way she was. Yet in the middle of this chaos and trip and confusion, we can't find a place to stay. Everything's chaotic. We find faith truly birthed heaven's precious gift in the form of carnality draped in old ragged cloths. What type of love do we this Advent season have the privilege of receiving still today? And I had the hardest time, I'm going to just be honest with you, this week I always try to start sermon prep on Monday morning. I start doing some for Wednesday nights on Monday afternoon and Tuesday mornings. And normally by Tuesday afternoon I start thinking about Sunday. Wednesday morning I'll refresh Tuesdays. Uh, Wednesday morning, I'll refresh Wednesday night's Bible lesson, and then Wednesday afternoon, I'll go back into Sunday mode, and then I'll do Thursday visitations, and then go back into Sunday mode. And for the longest time, I had nothing, absolutely nothing for today. In fact, I told my wife last night when we were coming back from somewhere, I said, you know, the church is going to be extremely disappointed tomorrow. And she said, why is that? I said, because they're going to be real sad when the preacher gets up there and says, now let's pray, because I have nothing to say. I said, some people will be excited about that, but others are going to be like, well, what do we pay him to do if he's not going to preach today? Because I had nothing. I, couldn't, I could not get my mind to just to grasp the story the way I, I, I felt like it should. And I prayed, and I said, God, give me something. You know I me, mean? I'm always looking for some witty twist, turn, whatever it can be. Last night I got on my computer, still with nothing. Brianna's off doing whatever, laundry or whatever she was working on. She knows when I get into a certain mode, don't talk to me because I'm not going to know anything you say because I've just blocked you out. And I sat there probably for a good 45 minutes and stared to a Word document that was blank, a blank page. And I said, not out loud because I didn't want to disrupt Brianna, I said looking at that document, I said, God, this is how my mind feels right now, blank. How can I tell... The second theme of the Advent season, the love of God, faith in God, and really articulate it the way it needs to be done. How do I do that, God? How can I, how can I make that become reality? So I started just jotting down thoughts. My phone goes off. I had, the previous night, had watched a Bill Gaither Christmas thing that they had aired on TBN. I knew it was coming on, and, and I recorded it, pre-recorded it, because I don't really watch anything else 
on TBN, but I knew there was going to be play in there, so I pre-recorded it so I could fast, through, fast forward through the commercials because I don't care how much the holy water is in Israel. I'm just going to drink the Sani from Walmart. It doesn't matter to me. I'm buying great value Walmart water. It's the same. Drinking it out of a tap, whatever I got to do. And I would watch that. Well, my phone goes off. And it was actually Carmen, and she had texted me pictures of the baby. And I said, oh, my gosh, she's so stinking cute. She definitely doesn't look like Tyler. Um, I didn't say that. I wanted to, though. I wanted to. And I uh, was coordinating with her. I said, yeah, I told her about, you know, things that were coming down the pike, things we wanted to do for her and Tyler while they were welcoming their new bundle of joy. I finished doing that, and I typed all my thoughts, and I had my thoughts in this document, and I said, but I don't have a title. What am I going to say? And then it was like, I don't know if anybody ever else has like aha moments, like just ding, like, you know, maybe I'm the only one, but sometimes it's just like light bulb comes on at the moment. This is not deep theological sermon title. This is not going to wow you. This is not going to make you go home and be like, this is the best sermon I've ever heard on Christmas Eve. But it's probably going to be the most simplest sermon you've ever heard on the Christmas season. But sometimes, I, in that moment, I thought, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to be anything but simple. I'm only going to talk to you for a few moments on this. A baby's love. What does it mean to hold a baby? I remember when my child was just a little boy who's now six years old and now telling me what I need to do in my life. Just the other day, he had the audacity to ask me what I did for a living. I said, I'm a preacher. He said, so you just work on Sundays and the rest of the time do nothing? I said, who told you that? I think somebody else has been talking to you, son. But I went back and I started scrolling through my phones and looking up baby pictures of Micah. And I, uh, obviously, Carmen Tyler have theirs. And my wife's family, her brother and his wife just recently had a baby a couple months back, baby Ellis, and I see how the amas and grandpas, mamas and daddies hold new baby, new babies. I saw a picture, I think it was on some social media with Miss Susie holding the baby. There's something you can't explain about a baby. It's just they just bring something to the table. They don't even know they're bringing it to the table. But they just bring something to the table. You can you can have the worst day of your life. But a newborn baby or a cute little baby comes into the house and nothing else matters. The world stops because that baby came in. You can be mad at your husband. You can think your wife is an old gray mare and she ain't what she used to be. But when the baby comes in the house... Grandpa and grandma are madly in love because the grandbaby's in the house. Something Somebody's done that before. I, I heard the amen. Man, somebody's been there before. There's something about that baby. I wasn't there the first, the first Christmas morning or that Christmas Eve night. Boy, I wish I could have been. Because I know what it's like to sit and watch Brianna's parents hold baby Ellis, and he walks into the room, or he comes into the room, he's not walking yet, he's only like two months, but when he comes into the room, I can only imagine, no matter how many sleepless nights Carmen and Tyler may have, every day when that baby just looks at them with their eyes open, or coos just the right way, 
It doesn't matter if I'm sleep deprived. That baby was worth it. All the months of morning sicknesses, travail, pains, kicking, even during the laborious part where it's just painful and, and it just, but when the baby arrived, all of it was worth it. And I see it in my hand. I see the gift in my hand. I thought about what it must have been like for Mary. Joseph had his questions. Mary had her questions, no doubt. But boy, what happened when the baby showed up? Nothing else mattered then. The baby was here. So then I started thinking about a baby's love. What does a baby's love represent? As you can see, the, num- the letters L-O-V-E are, are abbreviated, if you will, with a, a period behind each one. Because if you want to know, I'm going to give you four quickly key points of a baby's love. But it's also going to correlate to the love of God. One of the things about a baby's love and one of the things about God's love is it's limitless. A baby doesn't know how to do anything else but just give love. He doesn't even know it's loving you, but it doesn't. And it doesn't even realize it, but the amount of love you have for it cannot be measured by anything else. You hold that little baby, that baby doesn't even know what it's giving. But to you, there is not a, there's not a, a, enough money in the world that can change how much you love that baby. You love that baby. It's limitless. It's limitless. Throughout the Bible, God's love has been threaded. From the very first book of the Bible, God has always loved humanity. He used to walk with humanity. He created humanity because he wanted someone to love. And he wanted them to love him back. Even when sin disconnected us, God still had a plan to reconcile us in Genesis. Mary, no doubt, second-guessed what Joseph would do when she would have to tell him the truth about being pregnant and she had to trust God with herself as well with Joseph. Joseph had been tested by the situations outside of his control. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many people here today have lived or had to go through situations that were outside of their control. They couldn't control it, but they still had to deal with a situation they could not control. I've been there. In fact, I have some things right now going on in my world right now that are outside of my control, but I've had to deal with them. See, Joseph had situations outside of his control. The Word of God teaches us that God loved us so much that He gave us His only Son. He gave us the best thing He had. That's pretty limitless. He didn't didn't spare us anything. He gave the best. But the Bible tells us in Romans 5 and 8 that while we still were in sin, God died for us even knowing we may not accept Him. He still died for us knowing not everybody would accept the gift. Jeremiah 3 and 14 says God is married to the backslider. Even the people that turn their face from God and says, I want nothing to do with you. God says, I still love you with an everlasting love that you can't run from. The Bible teaches us that God longs for the adulterous wife like we find in the story of Hosea. God longs for the one that's playing the harlot, if you will, spiritually to come back and he will welcome them with open arms and reconcile him. Or her back to his loving arms. Micah 7 and 18 says. Who is a God like you? You pardon sins. Overlook the sins of the few remaining for his inheritance. He does not hold on to his anger forever. But he delights in faithful love. God doesn't want to stay mad. He wants to love. He wants to love. The love of God transcends time and space. 
It is not limited by boundaries. It never runs out. It never fails. There's nothing that can separate you from His love. Can I tell you this morning that His love is not based, it was not based, and still is not based on a performance or some merit that which you've earned. But we are loved by God regardless, and there's nothing you can do about it. God loves you whether or not you want Him to or not. He does. And whether or not you ever love him or not doesn't change the fact that he still loves you. He's limitless. That little baby, you hold it in your arms. That baby can pee all down your blouse. It can defecate outside the diaper and be all over your brand new suit and smell like you fell into a cow patty. And you smile and grin and bear and say, that's okay. You let a 30-year-old come defecate on you, you're going to do something rather than just love on them, I can promise you. You ain't going to let somebody who's been potty trained come and, and, and go to the bathroom on you. You're going to send them to some kind of help to help them figure out why they're doing that. But little baby boy or little baby girl met, puts a, a, a puke stain, a spit up on your brand new suit. You ain't even wore it but the one time and that all in your suit. You might at first think, Oh, my God, this has to go to the cleaners. And the mama comes and says, oh, I'm so sorry, Pastor. He threw up on your suit. You know what Pastor's going to say? Ah, it's not a big deal. It's just a suit. It's a baby. You throw up on me, I'll send you the bill. Okay. That baby can spit up, throw up, go to the bathroom on And you know what people do? They just say it's okay. There's something about a limitless love. We know the baby can't help it. But we don't really care if they could or not because we have so much love in that moment that nothing would change it. That baby could keep us up all night and we're not going to wake up the next morning and say, I shouldn't have had that one. That's one the rest. That's one restless child. No. We're taping our eyes open with duct tape trying to stay awake. It doesn't matter because every time that baby looks in our eyes, we don't care. Boy, what would it have been like that morning, that evening or early that morning? When a beam of heaven's light, that star of Bethlehem, rested above a stable. And somewhere in a wooden box or crate, in old filthy animal rags, a cooing is heard. A whimper sounds. And when those that were in that room peeked over, there was a baby. Just look at them. It didn't matter what had happened in all the adventures Leading up to this moment, that baby changed the world. He changed the world of Joseph's. He changed the world of Mary. He changed the world, as we'll talk about next week, of shepherds and wise men. Angels got dispersed from heaven. Stop, they got to stop praising the Lord for a few minutes and got dispersed to announce that the baby had come. Heaven literally dispersed some of the choir. It was as if the choir director of heaven said, oh, Happy y'all next week. Don't worry about coming to rehearsals because uh, you're going to be sent down to tell that Jesus is coming. What a sound that had to be. Limitless love. Another factor that babies bring that also attributes to the love of God is that his love is overwhelming. You hold that baby, everything in the world stops. You could have said to your husband or to your wife, I have 
500 things to get done on the agenda today. I got to change the oil. I got to do this. I got to do that. The wife might say, well, I got to cook dinner and I've got to, you know, wash the clothes and I got to do this. The phone rings and your son or daughter calls and says, hey, mom, hey, dad, uh, we're coming over the grandbabies. And you know what you say? Oh, honey, we had nothing planned. Come on by. You lied. You're a liar. You better repent today for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I just preached conviction on somebody. Right now, you did it yesterday probably. You know why? Because when that grandbaby's coming over, not now. The clothes can wait another day. Now, yesterday, you told the husband, or your husband said, honey, I can't wear no more dirty drawers. i got to have something to wear. And you said, well, then learn how to use the washing machine yourself. That's what happened the day before. Now, the grandbabies are coming over. You'd be like, wash them in the sink, hang them out on the clothesline out back. The grandchildren are coming over. I'm not washing clothes today. Amazing how grandchildren changes everything, isn't it? Same thing with new parents. Well, Carmen and Tyler today, if they're watching, I don't know if they are or not, but there'll be a lot of clothes that have to be washed and spit up and diaper changed. Whatever, but you know what? It won't matter. If I don't get to it, it won't matter because if that baby wants to be held, the clothes will wait. Tyler might need to go fix something on the hot rod car that he's building to go racing one day, and he might need brand new tires. But if that baby wants a remote control Hot Wheels car in a couple years, he won't buy tires. He'll be buying a remote control Hot Wheels car for that baby. You wait and see. He'll learn real quick. His Mustang is now going to be that baby's thing that he's going to be paying for. Some of y'all are broke right now because people like children like that. See, conviction, it works. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. You see, that morning, of that Christmas morning, we see the love that's overwhelming. I'm sure Mary was overwhelmed by the situation. I'm sure Joseph was overwhelmed by what he had to face. But the love of God was stronger than anything they would have to face. Yes, they were faced with the long journey to Bethlehem. Yes, they didn't know how their family would take the news. Yes, they knew they were going to be parents less than a year from even... They were going to be parents before they celebrated their one-year anniversary. You talk about having a, uh uh-oh, moment. Joseph's going to be a bonus dad or a step-parent to a child that biologically is not his DNA. That's why I have a high respect and regard for step-parents. You may not birth, you may not biologically have your DNA in there, but you can be a better parent to them than the biological ones they have. Don't you overlook the people that will love your children and your grandchildren. They're sometimes better than the birth parent. I'm just telling you the truth. And I'm a firm believer you don't have to abort the baby. If you, if you don't want to have the baby, you put up for adoption because there's some loving family out there that will give that baby more love than you ever wanted to unselfishness. Don't be selfish. You give that baby to someone who cares. Mary is going to be a mom at an extremely young age, most likely a teen. They can't find a room in town. All the hotels are booked up. Sounds like Somerville. The only room, they can't find a room. The only place they can find is a barnyard area reserved for animals. Half of y'all right now said, I'll sleep in my car. There was no car. I know some of y'all don't want to stay at Red Roof, but there was no car to sleep in that night. Nothing screams overwhelmed more than that. Can 
Can I tell you that there'll be times in your life that you'll be overwhelmed, whether it's overwhelmed in your marriage, overwhelmed by your kids, overwhelmed by your jobs, overwhelmed by your extended families, overwhelmed by church, overwhelmed by Christmas. There will be times you feel like you can't take anything else. You're drowning. You're overwhelmed. I'm sure that's how the prodigal son felt sitting in the pig pen when he realized he had lost it all and he didn't know how to tell his father that he was a moron for leaving in the first place. I'm sure that's how the father felt when it had been days, months, even maybe years that the son had ever been home and darted the door, ever picked up the phone and called and said, Happy Father's Day. It had to be overwhelming that a father knew he had a son out there somewhere but didn't know where he was. That had to be overwhelming. But the end of that story is so beautiful that the overwhelming love of God covered the, the rejection of the son and it welcomed him back to right fellowship with God. Even though the son did everything possibly to screw it up, the love of the father said, it doesn't matter, my love is bigger than your screw-ups. Can I tell you, God sent his son to let you and I know it doesn't matter how many times you screw it up, mess it up, and decide to make everything be in shambles and a debacle, no matter how bad it's been, no matter how bad you've been, no matter how far you've gone, the love of the Father is still greater than anything you can do. He still will love you regardless of what you do. And he's always waiting for you to come back home. He's waiting Isaiah 54 and 10, the mountains may shift, the hills may be shaken, but my faithful love will not shift away from you. My covenant of peace shall never be shaken, says the Lord, the one who has mercy upon you. Zephaniah 3:17, the, the Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior bringing victory. He will create a calm presence within his love and he will rejoice over you with singing no matter God can be the greatest and mightiest of warriors but the Bible said what he loves more than anything else is to sing of his love over you that's why we sing songs like I'll stand in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene I'll stand with the angels and I'll sing and I'll declare because God wants to sing of his love and delight over you one songwriter put it this way, it's the overwhelming, never-ending love of God. It can catch us, it can light up the darkness, it can climb up the mountains, it can chase down the reckless sinners. There is so much the love of God can do. Ephesians, 8, Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, the Apostle Paul tells us of these irresistible love of God. When he said, I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width, length, height and depth together with all believers I ask that you know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. He said you, don't, you can't even imagine how wide God's love is, how long God's love is, how high God's love is, and how deep His love is. You can't grasp it, but oh, if you could just ever get it, you would understand how amazing it is to be loved by God. Life can be overwhelming, but God's love is never underwhelming. Listen to what I just said. Life can be overwhelming, but God's love is never underwhelming. It's never less than enough. In fact, it's always more than enough. The world as we know it is unstable. Opiate addictions, alcoholic families, fentanyl issues along the border, border crisis. For some, it may be scary to plan for a family or even to raise their families that they have in this world that we live. However, one thing this Christmas season comes to mind. Sometimes in life we have to do what we have to do. Sometimes we have these aha moments. Can I tell you today, we don't get married, buy houses, plant gardens, do what we have to do, buy groceries.
groceries and have children because the world is stable. For in fact, when has the world ever been stable? Jesus himself was born in the cruelest of times during the time of the Roman Empire. Yet he was hope personified. When we look at that little baby, we can say we don't do what we do because the world is stable. But we are able to do what we can do because God has always been stable. The world's not stable, but God is stable. The letter V. You know the love of God is visible. He not only told you he loved you, he showed you. He loved you. Tyler and Carmen are sitting home right now looking after nine months of waiting. Bigger bellies, crazy hunger addictions, crazy sleeping patterns, pain in the back, uncomfortability, maybe some sleepless nights. But on Thursday, all of that, pain, struggles, adversities, whatever, the big belly, the bowling ball, all of a sudden the bowling ball came out. And it was a strike. It wasn't a spare. It was a strike. It was the best of the best. It was the best thing that could have ever happened to Carmen and Tyler because it was their visible sign of God's eternal promise. How blessed is the man who has children and has a quiver full of them. It was God's promise. They literally saw hope personified and promises made visible that Thursday afternoon. God did the same. Mary and Joseph had visible appearances of angels. They had to trust God's divine plan. In this candlelit barn called a stable, we find the visible, tangible love of God on display. 1 John 4, 9 through 11 says, In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God had sent His only begotten Son in the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God loved us, we also should learn to love one another. First John 3 and 1, John the Revelator said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know it, because they do not, him, do not know Him. The whole world didn't know the baby was in the barn, but love came down in that stable that night. The world may not know it, but we can. We can know the love of God. Although the scriptures, all throughout scriptures, we see the visible love of God on display. Whether it's the giving of His own Son, the disbursement of His Holy Spirit, or the daily blessings and provision He bestows upon us each day, He reminds us every day He is coming back. And it lets us know that His love one day will be made visible again, but not as a baby, but as a king. And the next time we're going to see Him again, His love on full display, but it won't be meek and mild. Meek and mild. It'll be mighty and powerful as King of kings and Lord of lords. I remember the story I read one time. A guy was in a drugstore. He had work-worn hands. He was trying to find a card in the section that read birthday slash wife. He picked out one or two of them. He read them aloud, yet not one of them seemed to do the job. They really just couldn't convey and say what he really wanted them to say. Finally, he grabbed a generic card that had some flowers on it. Most likely, it read something like roses are red, violets are blue. He walked to the counter. He paid for the card, and out the door he scattered. He probably took it home, and he scribbled something 
so poetic like Love John. <laughs> That's my poetic. And he gave it to her. Yet it still did not say what he wanted it to say. But I think she knew. Maybe she knew by the way he put his arm around her ever so awkwardly when he handed it to her. Or the way he nudged her elbow. Or the way he gave her that wry smile like, I almost forgot your birthday again. But she knew. The card didn't say it. But she knew what he meant. You see, sometimes it isn't easy to say the things that really matter. Sometimes it is hard to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Sometimes it is hard to say, I acted like a fool yesterday, will you forgive me? Sometimes it is hard to say, you are the glue that holds my world together and without you it would fall apart. Things that need to be said are often so hard. Throughout history, God tried to tell us what he wanted us to know. He sent his prophets and his teachers and they tried their best. We got part of it. We learned about his law and his justice. We understood that you get punished when you do bad things and you have to pay the consequences. Oh, but the part God wanted us to know, really wanted us to know, we just weren't getting it. He seemed too far away. Even when the prophets prophesied, it was about a day of the future. One day when he seemed so far away. His return seemed so far away. The Messiah seemed so far away. So God one day said to himself, I know what I'll do. I'll go there myself. I'll go as a little helpless baby. I'll be an innocent infant. If I go as a baby... They have no choice but to hold me close. They have no choice but to tangibly touch me. They have no choice but to kiss my cheek. They have no choice but to hold me close. The Bible says the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the Father full of grace and truth. God wrapped, God's love was wrapped in a baby blanket and placed in our arms. You can't get a more close and personal encounter than that. God not only wrote about his love, but he demonstrated it in a visible manifestation. God is not a God of oh so far away, but he is a God as close as the very mention of his name. Ms. Carol, as you make your way, the last letter is the letter E, and I'm done. His love is limitless. His love is overwhelming. His love is visible. But his love never ends. It's eternal. You know there are people right now that are in hell. But God loves them. He didn't stop God loving them. You can go out there and be a mass murderer. Go to prison. Life in prison. Be on death row. Everybody can be screaming for you to be. God still loves them too. You can be sitting in here today saint for 50 years you can be sitting in this pew today or watching online not even sure that you know all there is to know about God not sure you'd go to heaven if you died you know God loves both of those situations equally the same 
can only imagine what ran through Mary and Joseph's mind on that starlit night as they held their newborn babe, wrapped in cloths of a barn, surrounded not by paparazzis and news crews, but rather donkeys and cows. What a welcoming committee. The paparazzi are not taking, they're not paying $300 for newborn baby pictures to come by the house. No, they get to say, you know who was the first people to come check out our baby? The dog. Fido came and licked baby Jesus. I mean, think about that. Grandmama didn't kiss baby Jesus. The sheep kissed baby Jesus. That'd be like you taking your newborn baby home, and before grandma gets over there, the cat goes over there and kisses it. You're like, get away from the baby. They didn't have paparazzi or news crews. They had donkeys and cows. The first lullaby ever sung by Mary was not backed up by beautiful musicians and singers or a beautiful harp or trumpets blaring or saxophones ringing or a harpist strumming. It was rather, it was rather drowned out by the bleeding of sheep in the background. Just <laughs> You've never really appreciated singing Mary Had a Little Lamb until you add some sheep to it. Mary had a little lamb. <laughs> Just brings that song to a whole new life to it. I think if anybody ever sings Mary had a little lamb, they just need to have somebody in the background just occasionally keep going. <laughs> it just makes it come to life. I don't know what Mary's saying, but I don't care what song you sing. It's not going to sound as good with <laughs> behind it. It just don't. You can be Mariah Carey. You ain't going to sound much good with <laughs> over it every time. It's just not going to work. That's what Mary's first lullaby was. There was something special about this night. The love of God was not only made visible, but he came down to make sure that it was shown to be eternal because what he came to do was to eternally reconcile us back to the Father from which we were disconnected. It was eternal. The incarnate became carnal. The immortal clothed in mortality the divine was now a commoner. The lion became a lamb. The king now laid as a babe. Can't get more paradoxical than that. The apostle Paul told the church at Rome that absolutely nothing will ever be able to separate you from the love of God. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 reveals that God keeps his loves for thousands of generations. Jeremiah 31 and 3 Long ago saith the Lord, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. It can't run out. It doesn't run out. Can I tell you, God's love doesn't have an expiration date. If we don't accept His love, and if we reject the gift of His Son, we will spend eternity separated from Him, but God will still love you, even separated from you. Many people have made their eternal destinations to be separated from God, but they only did so by walking right past and right over the love of God, trying to stop them from getting there. This Christmas, may you never forget, you are loved by the creator of the universe, and there's nothing you can do about it, because as Psalms 136 tells us, His love endures forever. I don't know about you, but Christmas can be joyous for some, sorrowful for others. It can be exciting, yet stressful. In fact, for some, Christmas can even be overwhelming. All the parties, family gatherings, work schedules, 
this Advent season, may I challenge you, don't allow the cares of life, the tragedies and frailty of man, and the chaos of this unstable world cause you to lose your faith and lose the love of God. The Bethlehem candle that is lit today represents faith and love. As Mary and Joseph had their faith tested and their love tried, their story proves that trusting in God and abiding in His love will never lead us astray. In fact, it may just allow you to be a part, a small part, at best, of His next greatest story that He's still to tell. So today, we still live in a world that has never been stable. But there is one who was born in a stable, today is still stable, and will always be stable and more than able to meet whatever it is you have need of. So today as we get ready to go into the benediction, can I tell you today there is nothing like a baby's love. It will change your world and it will change your life. I'm not talking about the physical ones, though they do as well. But a baby born around 4 to 6 B.C. changed the world. And about 27 so years ago, he changed my life. Because I met the babe, not as a babe. I heard the story countless times, but that same babe born between 4 to 6 B.C. 27-ish, 28 years ago changed my life and I wonder how many years it's been since that baby's love changed your world and your life this Bethlehem's candle is not just for Mary and Joseph but it's for us to remember God is still loving us today as you stand all over the house with your head bowed and your eyes closed for those joining online God bless you We'll see it tonight. I want to do something, and I'm going to let you go, but I just want to do something special today. I will ask, before I do this, if there's anybody here that doesn't know the Lord and Savior in a personal and intimate way, 